With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. Trying to get all those notes together and decide kind of how you want to run a program. And um, from that standpoint, it's really just about organizing your thoughts, being able to sit down and know you never know what they're going to ask you. And uh, just understand you got to be yourself and, and you got to speak from the heart. And... Uh, and really, that's about it. I mean, it's, it's really one of those things when you're talking to people, it's not as much X's and O's as people would think. It's more just about kind of the person that you are, how you would lead the team, how you would handle the team. And uh, it's been a great experience here because it, how we do it here is, a, is how I want to do it. And uh, so, so it's kind of been a on-the-job training since I got here with Matt. There he is. That's one of the now eight. We have an eighth candidate. The Vikings have unveiled an eighth. Well, not the Vikings. I think Adam Schefter did. This is Purple Daily, your Vikings head coach and GM search update leader. Judd Zolget in his surly sweatshirt, Phil Mackey. We got our executive producer, Declan Goff, and our football-loving friend. He played in the NFL for over a decade. He has played in a Super Bowl. He played for the Vikings. His name is Alex Boone. Football. Hey, guys. Hi. Hello. So, Thanks for having me on today. He's the third Harbaugh brother. Well, don't, don't tease me. me. Don't tease me. <laughs> I definitely fit in that family for sure. <laughs> let's uh let's let's break some news off the top here presented by TCL. TCL, the perfect TV for watching football playoff games here. New lineup of award-winning TVs delivering the most entertainment with stunning resolution, all at an affordable cost. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Breaking news. The Vikings have added an eighth head coaching candidate to their list. They have requested an interview with Bucks defensive coordinator. Raheem Morris. And so, Alex, here's the list. Talk to me. Raheem Morris. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Did I say Bucks defensive coordinator? I meant Rams. Yeah, yeah, I know. Rams mean. defensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, he used to be Bucks head coach, is where yeah, I was getting that yeah. mixed up. Uh, Bucks defensive coordinator Todd Bowles is on this list. Nathaniel Hackett, Packers OC, who you just heard from. Mm-hmm. Cowboys DC, Dan Quinn. Mm-hmm. 49ers DC, D'Amico Ryans. Cowboys offensive coordinator Kellen Moore, Eagles defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon, and Rams offensive coordinator Kevin O'Connell. My goodness. A lot do, of do any of those guys give you a football tingle, Alex? I think I know who the answer is going to be. Uh-oh. I'm curious, though, what Judd's thinking. Oh, oh. Um, I Judd, prefer Judd that you start. already I'm screwed very, up the search. I'm very, I'm, very, oh. I'm very concerned right now. Here we now. go. Let's do it. Take I'm me more down your concerned. Road. Here, let's go oh. ahead to Judd's thoughts. Yeah. Panic. Panic. Oh, my God. I am. Uh, 
okay, so I'll just make this very clear, Booney. I think the GM thing is fine. Mm-hmm. Eight candidates, they have that like that's their job. They've got to pick a, a guy or a gal. They might be wrong, but like there's no sense in saying, well, I don't know. Because if they had gone search firm, I don't like that. So I'm fine with the GM. The coach is another thing. Number one, um, I want to know what they're asking prospective coach candidates before the GM is named. Like if they're just trying to get a feel for people, that's cool. If they are conducting lengthy interviews that get into football specifics without the GM yet, I'm concerned there. Um, The initial list of seven did not knock my socks off. There could be more. I don't know. But my point is, I think in the coaching search, there are red flags, including, and you know all of the players here, okay? Mm-hmm. So so in that room, talking to people via Zoom are at least the two Wilfs. Rob Brzezinski, who I actually like. I mean, Love Rob it. has been, he, Rob. He's, not, he's not football-y football, but he knows a ton. He's been around. I respect him. Mm-hmm. Jamal Stevenson football guy that's cool ryan munnins same thing but here's what concerns me and doogie confirmed this on our scoop show that we just did uh, this morning as well booney andrew miller who's the coo okay who comes from a world of baseball and business Mm -hmm. according to dukes has tremendous power in that room uh i don't want a business guy being involved in a heavy way. Like if Brzezinski says, this guy's great. I'd be like, Oh, let's talk about it. If a COO type says, I like this guy, he's what we're going to need here. I get concerned. So <laughs> you also just get concerned waking up in the, yeah, in the does. morning. Yeah, I feel like does. too. Yeah. Cause I don't want, yeah. You, your you know your why? level of concern is already on high. It is a high risk. Alert. Hey, what are we talking about again tomorrow? Risk and, What's our and dumb things. That's what concerned me. And, and a COO can be very, very, Dumb when it comes to the actual inner workings of sports. I agree. Call a spade a spade. Come on. I agree. I think that when you say that, I think you're saying you want to leave the business side out of the football side. And you want to leave, Correct. you want to keep those people on their side because you're right. It is two totally different entities. And when you mix them up and jumble them up, it becomes a bigger chaos. And I've seen that firsthand, especially with the business side. But I don't, I'm with Judd on this. None of the names wow me. I think if anything of these names, Nathaniel Hackett is the only one that I can honestly see because everybody else is too inexperienced. There's just not enough experience under some of these names. Like D'Amico Ryans. I love him. I think what he's doing is great. He has one of the worst back ends in the NFL and he's still in the playoffs. Like, how are you doing this? This is incredible. But at the same time, are you ready to lead this team? No, you're not, dude. And you have no idea what you're going to deal with with this quarterback. Like, you have to be on the same page as him. So then you go down the list, you go Kellen Moore. He just cost himself a head coaching job. I'm sorry. And we'll talk about that later. But you talk about this league, the decisions you make are so important. We'll get into this later. Yes. We're going to... He cost himself his own job. He's a moron. Okay? Okay. Jonathan Gannon, you are too young. I'm sorry. You have been the D.C. one year. You don't know what it's like to be the head coach yet. You don't know enough. Kevin O'Connell. The only reason I liked Kevin was because he's worked with Kirk before. That, to me, says there's a little familiarity. I think that if you go into that relationship, it's more of a, hey, how are you two together? Can you two actually talk to each other? Can you actually get along? Did you have a good relationship with him? Would you be willing to come back here and like, – pick up these pieces where they left off. I think that that's a big name that people should be looking at because 
let's just be honest, Kirk's a little different. And if you can, if you've been with him before and you're still willing to come back here and work with him again, it's kind of like, Hey man, this could be a really good thing going on, especially because there's so many pieces around Kirk right now that you're thinking like, man, this could be something if the head coach and him are on the same page and they're planning things together, like this could be so much better chemistry for a team. But other than that, like Todd Bowles, I love Todd. I think he's great. And I've heard great stories from guys like behind the scenes that say that he is just one of the most tremendous guys in the world. But I think that we've seen what happens when you go with a DC, when you have a quarterback like this, like it's just kind of oil and water and people don't get it, but it's the mentality of the offense versus the defense. And I think that if you're looking for the Wilfs to say, how do we take what we have and get us back into the playoffs without having to do anything? Because by the way, we're over the cap right now. Like we have to make real decisions soon. You look at that, you say, Hey, we got to go offensive minded. We have to go to a guy that can help lead Kirk into the direction that he needs to go, help pick us up and say, Hey, listen, we were doing great things. We just need to continue with these great things and stop doing some of these boneheaded things. Yeah. Bulls. Oh God, like it was such a train wreck with the jets for yeah. like two or three years, but then there's like three, there's also three organizations, maybe four. I think the Texans are in there now and the Browns used to be, but now they're kind of out of it, but there's like four organizations that, it's hard to hold it against you. Right. Like like Pat Shermer said yes to a job coaching the Cleveland Browns when they were a train wreck. It's like, right. I don't know, do you do you hold it against him? And the Giants are like, let's not count that. Let's try again. And then maybe maybe Pat Shermer's just a coordinator. Right. That's what I'm having a hard time with with Bulls. Um D- Dan Quinn's the really interesting one because excellent coordinator in Seattle. He turned the Dallas defense around and had a twenty five point lead in the Super Bowl. Yeah. But they blew a 25-point lead in the Super Bowl and then <laughs> right. train-wrecked the next two seasons, and he got fired. And it just, I don't know, it's hard It's hard to forget that. Um, I think, actually, of all, like, of all of the defensive coordinators, the three, so Raheem Morris, who's on the list now, Todd Bowles, and Dan Quinn, Raheem Morris actually interests me the most. I think what happened 10 years ago in Tampa, if I remember right, was they blew out John Gruden around that time. And they just got like they stopped. They stopped spending money. Like they were always near the salary cap floor. They decided to go really cheap and young at coach roster. And so I don't even know if that was a fair shake. And he was like thirty five years old. Right, he was um, young. So I would like of all those three guys, I would actually like if you're going to go defense and you're going to go the experienced route, I think I would put Raheem Morris first above those other guys. For sure, I would. And I'm, just like you said, Todd Bowles, he's a great guy, but at the same time, that place was a train wreck and. You know, you talk about a guy that's super blitz happy and the way that he likes to run his defenses. I mean, it'd be fun to do, but at the same time, too, I feel like when you go with the D.C. and it doesn't work, you have to go back and go with an O.C. Like, it's just the way it kind of flip-flops around. I like the Raheem Morris thing. I think they're a good defense. They were at times a little sketchy this year, but, but like Dan Quinn, a lot of people give his defense credit. They're a feast or famine defense. Like, you've seen it. They Like, everyone talks about Trayvon Diggs' 11 interceptions. It's incredible. Yeah, but he's also giving up the most yards as a cornerback. Like, <laughs> we get it, dude. <laughs> yeah. You can get the ball out 11 times. That's phenomenal. Like, phenom. But at some point, you have to do your real job of defending something. And, like, <laughs> you know, you're looking at that defense, and you're like, well, it was great, but it didn't beat San Francisco. And they have some playmakers on that defense. So, to come out and play like they did, I think that whole coaching staff needs to be looked at again. I mean – I think a lot of this year, they kind of rode on a different wave. Like I said, their defense was super feast or famine. And when you can get your offense that many times the ball, I mean, you're just giving them so many more opportunities. But, you know, the way that the run game went, and there was there was a weird rumor that came out that Kellen Moore was sitting on a playbook for the playoffs or whatever. But, like, that would be dumb. 
you to to not go out there and give yourself the first seed ever to be like we're going to sit on plays and we're happy like that would be just totally reckless and stupid but at the same time like the way that that game ended i am like dude are you serious that you didn't know they needed to spot the ball every single <laughs> down they're over here making an excuse like did you see how hard he ran into Dak? what was he supposed to do you're trying to run a play he has to spot the ball everyone's looking around like there's no way it just ended like that yeah it just ended like that and people are talking about like and the thing that baffles me the most is so many people are like well do we keep mike mccarthy do we not no you gotta go you called a draw with like 12 seconds left and no timeouts you need to go dude okay so there's so much off of that play that, that i've got questions about for a guy who played when that play comes in, 14 no. seconds left, no time. Right. No. But I'm saying, so what What takes place? Like, how does that play? And I understand it's called and these guys are paid to execute. But explain to me that play call in the huddle in that predicament. Explain would, what happens. I would, I mean, I would be like, we're not, we can't do this. We cannot physically run this play right now. Because we've always been told that you need 17 seconds to clock a ball. Thank you. You yes. need 17 seconds to adequately line up, hold for a second, and snap the ball, clock it, and still have time left. That's why I'm looking at this like that was dumb. And you can't blame Mike McCarthy on always oh, a big game. Mike, you've been in big games. You're a head coach of an NFL team. There are no excuses anymore. And Kellen Moore, shame on you to go out there and actually call. At some point, he started to run the ball, and I was like, does he not know what's going on? Like this – and then I was like, is that a called draw? Then I'm like, there's no way that they would do that because I'm watching this ref try and run through and spot the ball, and I'm watching <laughs> it click down, and I'm like, there's no way they're going to get this off. There's not a chance. And then everyone's looking around like, wait, no, no, let's, 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 let's talk to New York. Let's ask them. And no, no. Let, Why did it even get to this? Are you? I would have called a timeout. I would have taken a flag. Hey, I know we don't have any more, but I'm taking one right now. Like, dude, we're, we need to really rethink. I mean, I'm telling you right now, there was – there's been a few times where you've been in the NFL and they, they made decisions and you're like, are we sure we're going to do this right now? And everyone's in the huddle thinking the same thing. This could be it, man. This could be everything. And, you know, when we played in that Super Bowl, that was one of the times. And we threw the ball four times down there. And it was one of those things where you're like, are we not even going to try and run this ball right now? Are we yeah. not even going to try and do this right now? Like, it was just, it's heartbreaking. And I get that sometimes, like, you could make an excuse for Kellen and be like, he was so caught in the moment. He probably didn't know there's 12 seconds, blah, blah, blah. Mike McCarthy should have heard the play go in and probably stopped him at that moment, done something, you know, try to change something. But when you look back, man, games like that and decisions like that are why teams lose so much. Like, that's just dumb. You yes. are a phenomenal organization who will put any amount of money into any player's hands to be a great team. Jerry Jones has never been shy to be like, I will do whatever it takes to win a Super Bowl. And your coaches go out and ruin the game for you. Like, at some point, there has to be an accountability factor. And everyone's still blaming these refs. Like, I can't believe they had to spot the ball. I can't believe you didn't think that they had to spot the ball. Like, I'm almost dumbfounded that you're actually saying this right now, guys. I am so baffled that this is even a problem. Yeah, Dak handed the ball to the center. Like, here, take and it. And it was seven. misspotted. Did you see that? He yes. put it down like two yards ahead. But that's why <laughs> they have to spot the ball. Because you're just going to continue to cheat yards away from people. Like, I, I'm seriously like if I'm on Dallas right now, I am pissed. Like we had a hell of a year. We went through a lot of things and all of a sudden we lose the game like that. Now you probably should have played better the whole game and 14 penalties will cost you any game, but my God to end like that has to be just so embarrassing. So, so on the Kellen Moore front, cause he's on the Vikings list. 
is that the type of decision, even though they had this great offense all season and they were rolling for most of the season, is that the type of decision that puts up a red flag enough for you to say, yeah, not this year on Kellen Moore? Absolutely. There's enough great coordinators out there that aren't making decisions like that and don't go into a situation and say, hey, uh, I think we got a chance here. Let's draw it. No question. <laughs> Zero draw. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Zero draw. Like, what goes through Mike McCarthy's head when he hears it through his headpiece? They're going to run draw. Draw? You have 14, 14 <laughs> seconds left. He's probably doing the math in his head, like, wait a minute, wait a minute. But, yeah, there's there's too many good coordinators in this league, people that you don't even know about that are just behind the scenes drawing up offenses and defenses that should get a better chance than guys that go out there and cost it for a team. I mean, when players play bad, and don't get me wrong, 14 penalties, Dallas, you played, you were not ready for that game. But when you lose it on that specific play, I think nowadays the one thing we're seeing is that head coaches are having a hard time managing games. And it's like becoming more of an issue now more than ever. Like when to throw the red flags, when to take timeouts, what decisions to make on fourth down. Like, and you're telling me that you just ran draw to lose in a playoff game? Like, dude, I've seen enough. I'm good. I'm sorry. I don't need to be one of these people that, hey, man, you get another chance. Like, come run an entire organization. Now you just had the offense before, but not, now you get to do everything. Like, dude, you just showed me enough. I'm good. So let me ask you this then real quick. So. To that point, because I think we a lot of us get obsessed with, well, has this coordinator candidate called plays before, right? Because you want him to have the experience. You know, I, for the for the reasons you just said, and Mike McCarthy, it's amazing. He's terrible at clock game and timeout management, nothing. and he doesn't call plays. I know. So I do like your your so I said, job. You gotta go. You gotta go. <laughs> your job is to to be awesome at this. Like in a perfect world, I think. And again, like I might be wrong on this. I I would like to hire a great coordinator on each side of the ball, empower them to call plays. I'd like to have a feel myself to also call plays, but like I want to be awesome at the management stuff and the clock and the game. Is it a prerequisite? Like, should if the Vikings hire an offensive-minded coach, should that should that coach also call plays? Uh, I think it depends on who it is. Like, like Nathaniel Hackett. I think that this is obviously it's Matt Lafleur's offense. You know, you talk about a guy who like I think the one thing about him and even. I don't know why people aren't more higher on Byron Leftwich. Like, I feel like he's in the perfect situation right now. He calls the plays, and I know he calls the plays because they show Bruce Arians on the sidelines. He doesn't move. He doesn't even say a word. Dude, Leftwich not only calls the plays, he literally runs all of the offensive meetings. Arians has said, you guys are there. giving me all this credit. Like, I'm not actually running anything anymore. <laughs> I know. I was there in Arizona, yeah. and I was like, this is incredible. And I was like, this guy is so open-minded to everything, like, there was never a stupid question. There was never a stupid like, hey, hey, maybe we should think about this. He'd be like, that's smart. Yeah, I like that. Let's try it. Let's let's look at it. You know, like he's just more receptive to criticism too at the same time, which was great. And him and Carson had a relationship. But you talk about now like here's a guy who's calling the plays. He's working with a guy like Tom Brady. Like Tom Brady's endorsed him. Like, dude, this guy's phenomenal. He's great. And he's he was a player. Like I feel like when you were a player once before, players see you differently. You know, like. This guy knows what I'm going through. So when he says something, it might be more heartfelt if he's like, hey, man, I know you're giving us everything, but we need more. Like, you know, he's not like just trying to come at you sometimes. And sometimes you're not in the mood for it. For it but like there are times that when a former player will say something to you and you're like, yeah, you know, had somebody else said this, I probably would have snapped. But you having played, you know what I'm going through. You know the mental state that I'm in. You're only coming from a good place. So here's a question that I would actually it, – it's the reason why I think – a guy like you should be in the room for these zooms because I know what I know, but I don't know the why. Tell me this. What in your mind and fr from what you saw during the course of your career 
makes a good coordinator, but allows you to see that that guy is not going to be a, a good or great coach. Because I think there's like, we all assume, Oh, great coordinator. He's doing a great job. He must be a good coach. True. Sometimes not true all of the time. What's the separating factor there that we don't see? So when the guy does get to be a coach, it's like, oh, my God, that wasn't a good hire. I think you could see it right away, their personality. Like, And I've said this before, DCs command different teams than OCs do. You know, like a former OC, the team might be a little more fun-loving, happy, crazy. DC teams, they're very proper. They're very strict. That's just how it is. And it's like because the defense always goes back to the same thing. Let me win the game. I want to win the game. But the offense is like, now let me show them how creative I can be, innovative, and we're going to have fun and sparkles and crazy stuff. (laughs) But, like, when you look at all these guys that do great, I think the one thing is, they're always kind of honest in the media. Like when you listen to them talk, they don't just throw a blanket blame on anyone. They're not afraid to say somebody, hey, you know, we need a little bit more out of this guy. Instantly, I'm like, okay, if you said that in the media, you must have a number one, good relationship with this player. And two, you must be an open criticism kind of guy where it's like, it's okay to say something as long as it's true. There are some times where you see these guys, they just throw a blanket out there and you're like, hmm. Or you never hear their players ever say, oh, this guy's great or this guy's funny or like, you know, I'm telling you, a lot of this game is about your personality and how guys gel with you. If I believe that I really do want to go into a fist fight with you, I will give you everything. But then there's times where you're like, I don't know if I want to anymore. I don't know if we're all seeing the same vision or I don't know if you're really understanding what's going on over here. Or if you're really listening to us on the field, there's a lot of times where we're on the field trying to be like, hey, this is just not working. It's mm-hmm. just not. And there are guys that go deal with it make it work you're like you know sometimes you just can't make it work in a loaded box it's just not gonna like there's gonna be a free guy somewhere but i think the one guys that are great are the guys that are like you got it let's let's see if we can throw a smoke on the back of this or maybe we add a bubble to the back but we draw somebody out they're so receptive and instantly something that could have been such a huge problem is just completely solved and like i might be furious that something's going on or i, I see my teammates are furious and all of a sudden a simple hey yeah We'll look at it right now. Let's let's tag a bubble on the back of it. Instantly, everything is neutralized. Okay, they listened to me and they fixed it. So they, we think they fixed it. You know, maybe we had to come back and fix it again. But it's the whole communicating. Instead of saying, hey, you know, deal with it. You guys are out there. Block it up. We've gone over. You're like, dude, there's like 10 guys in this box. And there's only five of us. We're trying to figure it out as much as we can. But it's not going to work. Yeah. Tag a bubble on the back of it is great life advice in Football. any situation. So really. Smoke it. Yeah. Uh, on that on that communication front, so there was a great article about Nathaniel Hackett in SI.com a few months back, like September. So Aaron Rodgers was quoted as saying, Hackett, quote, uh, no one brings me more joy than Nathaniel Hackett. And, and Aaron Rodgers is a guy that literally like cut his family out of his life. He's not he's not the easiest guy to, to that bond with. That makes me think he can work with Kirk too, right? <laughs> right? Like he, he works with Aaron now. Maybe he's just, yeah. And uh, David Bakhtiari also had so basically like the two leaders of the Packers are saying, yeah, this dude's this dude's legit. You always want to scope that out. Like if you're about to poach, like Clint Kubiak's getting interviewed by the Panthers. You know, if you're the Panthers, right. <laughs> maybe maybe like put a feeler out to to Vikingsville and see how devastated would Vikings fans, media, and uh, and coaches be if they left. But uh, Bakhtiari said, "quote Hackett's positive and ener- uh, his positivity and energy is infectious." There's never been a day where I have not seen him come in without greater energy and enthusiasm. He's literally a walking culture and then raves about how great of a teacher he is. And I found this excerpt interesting. 
a bad teacher will always blame the student or the group or the person for not obtaining the information. Sound familiar? Mike Zimmer does that all the time. As opposed to looking at yourself as a teacher and finding a way to reach out not only to the masses but to every single person and grab their attention in a meaningful way that helps them understand the material. Uh, this personifies his teaching habits. End quote from philosopher David Bakhtiari. I mean, those are two huge endorsements. David Bakhtiari is probably the best left tackle in the NFL right now, and Aaron Rodgers is probably going to win the MVP. So two guys that are like, listen, not only does this guy make us laugh, and you see us chugging beers at basketball games all the time, <laughs> this guy makes us laugh, but he's got an <laughs> offense that he understands. And, you know, the one thing I think about Nathaniel Hackett's offense and, like, to dive into a really deep kind of version of it is I think what's so cool is how he spreads people out. He's still effective in the run. Like, he's got the one-two punch over there. But I love how they use those running backs over the middle a lot. Like, he's starting – and I've noticed this a lot is that he puts people in the bind with their middle linebacker. And he's basically like, my running back is better than your middle linebacker. You're going to obviously try to shut down Devontae Adams, you know, Alan Lazard. You're going to do as much as you can to keep these guys away from the ball. But for the most part, that's fine because I'm going to take this one-on-one matchup over the middle. Like, I remember watching – because they're playing the Niners this week, but I was watching the Rams game, and a lot of that game was they were just picking on that middle linebacker. And you're thinking about it, and I'm like, you know, I love how Kyle Shanahan has a great offense, and it's super cool, and he's just always throwing things out there. But this is also a new wave of kind of like we have a premier quarterback, and we have great pieces around him. People are going to obviously identify with the outside of us. They're going to try and keep that in contain. Let's go to the one spot where nobody else is. And let's go pick on this one middle linebacker that they have that's probably in there to make tackles and not cover people. And I'm like, dude, this is kind of the next wave of another offensive trend that's starting to happen. And then you think about the guys that they have here that are great pass catchers. And in the over the middle, that he does such a great job of like voiding the middle of the field. And it's just a running back and a middle linebacker. And you're like, dude, this simple pitch and catch is going 10, 15 yards. That's beautiful. I know. So so you, you've said this like five times, and I'm going to go there. Keep talking about prospective coaching candidates who can work with Kirk. Okay. Do you think it's in the best interest for this team to make that the the uh, potential prerequisite? Or should a new GM and coach have complete um, control to say, you know what? We don't think that we, the Kirk's our guy. He was Rick's guy. And, and look elsewhere, at least short term, in the hopes that this duo can draft a player to eventually play that position and be in team control for five years. I think that's exactly what, think? what it is. I think that's exactly what it is. It's, Hey, we're going to have to deal with this guy for a year. And you know, you seem like you understand offenses. There's a lot of people that rave about you. Your offense is always kind of at the top of the list. And yeah, it's a lot of Aaron Rodgers. but the way that it's been moving, trending towards lately, they've been opening up more of the run game. They've been spreading people out and running the ball. Like it's just, it's interesting because you think about that here and, so many people want to get new offensive-minded head coaches because offenses are becoming so innovative, and they're just pummeling defenses at time. And people are saying, hey, we got so many young players over here on offense. We need to try and start using them more, start adapting to them more. And, yeah, you can go find a great D.C. on a lot of teams, a lot of great D.C.s, because they can only run so many philosophies. There's not a lot of people running the Vance Joseph philosophy where there's no D. lineman out there. Like, that's just not happening. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like – 
it's not like you see a new offense and you're like, wow, that was awesome. I don't know what the hell just happened, but I need to rewind that. You don't see that on defense. You're not like, whoa, look at that. They're all standing around. Wow. Like, it's just, listen, I demand excellence. That's what a DC does. I demand you to be perfect and at the same time to maul everything in your way. That's not hard to do. What you need to do is grab these guys on the offense and be like, listen, we need to start throwing in new, innovative ways to win. I feel like there's so many positions now that are becoming hybrids. And it's like, if you don't grab one of these coaches that's starting to think like that, you're going to be left five, 10 years behind. And that's one of the things that sets teams behind. And you're right. You're stuck with Kirk. But after that, you can get a replacement for him after that. You could find one this year if you can go early enough in the draft. Not that there's a big draft quarterback class, but there's other ways to do it. And I think that one of the things that really kind of intrigues me too is I'm wondering if any of these coaches are out here like, hey, listen, maybe, maybe, maybe we try and make a play for somebody in the future. I mean, like right now, there's really nobody to make a play for. Who are you going to go for, Russ? I mean, I, sign me up. He liked one of my tweets last night, so yeah, I'm, did I'm in for sure. Yeah. Dude, but but I think, like, realistically, based on where you're at, your window is – if you if we're talking about Super Bowl, like, your window, if you do it right and create some cap space, is more like 2023 going forward. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be really hard just with your cap situation. And right, that's what I'm saying. Like, right. When you look at this, and that's why I think it's so important to look at a coach that's like, hey, listen – Tell me what you see right now, not what you see in the future, because we have to deal with this year. What are we doing this year? And I'm, I'm, you know, he's over here like, well, they really just trying to fill me out personality wise. Dude, you seem like a good dude. Everybody around you loves you. Everyone raves about you. What is there? I'm sure they were in there like, what are you going to do with Kirk? How are we going to use him? What is this offense going to go to? We cannot line up in a pro style formation anymore. That is a thing of the past. Everything now is pistol. It's gun. It's unbalanced gun. It's old linemen split out in the slot. I mean, it's just the, there's, the possibilities are endless. And as long as you don't sit here and say to me, yeah, I want to run ISO and wham, like you got to be like, no, we're going to pitch it. We're going to toss it. We're going to throw it. We're going to have smokes. We're going to have screens. We're going to have people moving, dancing. I mean, I'm telling you, it's one of these things that it's catching fire right now. All these young, innovative, and there's times like get it. At times, Josh Allen runs in a complete circle and then tries to pitch the ball to like an old lineman. And I'm like, I'm just not understanding what's going on. But then I'm listening to all these interviews with people, and they're like, dude, when you go into Dable's office, it's like, what do you want to do? Tell me what you want to do. And the guys are like, I want to get the ball this way, or we need to do this more, or we need to throw some of these out, or hey, I saw this play in college. And we should. And they're like, dude, the minute you tell them, it's in the place. And it's in the and they're like, dude, it's so next level because it's it's everybody's mind coming together and being like, I think we should throw some of this in. And they were like, dude, as long as you present it to him, he'll he'll throw it in the practice and he will run it and see if it works. And it's like, dude, how cool is that? Here's a guy who's like, hey, man, my success is all of our success. Your success is my success. So if we're not all in this together now, I think this can always backfire if you let too many minds in. But I think that there are certain guys that he's allowed to go to or go to him and say, hey, listen, like like Diggs, Josh Allen, Cole Beasley. I'm sure a lot of those guys are allowed to be like, hey, I would love if we could try and do something like this. Because Cole Beasley actually came out and was like, dude, every time I go to him and say, I'd like to try this, the next day it's in the playbook. He's like, and, and you and you have to. Co- I think you have to coach and communicate that way now. Yes. like like gone. And you've talked about this, but like gone are the days where you can just say, "This is what we're doing," without getting ten guys looking back at you saying, "Well, why?" Right. I think we should do this. Right. Like it almost. You're kind of the yes. Like you get the final say, but you're you have to be more of like 
the straw that stirs the whole drink and right. gets the feedback, takes it in, right? You have, it's a round there has table, to be a right? feedback loop. Right. Yeah. Tell me what's going on in your mind. Tell me what you're thinking. And hey, you know what? Maybe you will open my eyes to something. Now, there's probably a lot of times the table's like, okay, guys, I got you. And he's probably like, whatever. But I'm sure there's a lot of times where he's like, that's not a bad idea. Let's try. I mean, it can't hurt to try it. And that's why I think when you look at this offense, they're so dangerous because you don't know what the hell they're going to throw at you. And at times it does look a little clustery, but you're like, man, when it's on, Josh Allen, the last game was negative 15, over 300 yards. You know how cold a ball is at negative 15? Oof. It's like throwing a brick. <laughs> and he threw it like 60 yards. I was like, oh, that's why he does this offense. There is no out of bounds. This kid could throw it 100 yards if he needs them to. He's ridiculous. So, yeah. so what's what's the first thing offensively that you would do with the Vikings that's not being done? Like I, I just I seen, told you what I would do. But you're like taking I a pay cut. The, the use of <laughs> of receivers, different places, and I look at at Jefferson and I think how much more is potentially there. There just oh, yeah. seems there seems to be athletically like there is so much more potentially there. That, that this previous regime was never going to allow to happen. Yeah, well, obviously, we've talked about it. Defensive coordinators, they don't like this idea of wild spasticness because to them it's unconventional, and at the same time it's risky. Because, you know, you throw a ball in the air, three things can happen, two are bad. So all of a sudden I'm instantly going to be in a bad mood when we start throwing it a lot. But I think the one thing that they have to do is Justin Jefferson needs to be played all over the field. I think he needs to be utilized everywhere. And that's such a key now when you see teams because the minute you take a guy like Justin Jefferson and you just put him in the backfield, well, now you put the middle linebacker in a bind because now potentially you become my guy, right? And now all of a sudden we talk about these one-on-one matchups over the middle. And now all of a sudden you start to say, well, how will the defense affect this? Are they going to move one of their star players inside? Well, then all of a sudden, maybe I move Thielen outside. And now all of a sudden, I really have a mismatch that I want to see. There's so many ways. And I think that the one thing that helped me open my eyes, because when I went to Ohio State, we ran a very pro-style offense. And I was like, this is great. And then you went to the pros, and Jimmy Ray was my first OC. And he was like 80. And it was like (laughs) pro-style, boys. Boys. Pro style, right? Like ISO, we're going to run down the A-gap, assholes and B-gap rail. Like this guy was insane. But then all of a sudden these new innovative coaches started coming in and it started making these mismatches so more obvious, right? Like the way the teams can move one player from one side to the other and a defense is like thrown off completely and the motions and the shifts and how much they grab you. I mean, all this stuff is just it's awesome, and they and I think that that's the one thing that they need to go for, especially because you have so many playmakers like Justin Jefferson, KJ Osborne, like yeah. dude. Yes. I think I found him to be such a mismatch this year. I was like, why are they not targeting him more too? I mean, yeah, you need to target Justin Jefferson more. That was a clear obvious, and I think that. But the, let's take this a step further. This falls into my Kellen Moore thing. Kubiak just wasn't ready to be the OC. Mm-hmm. And I think that we all saw that. We saw that early. Like after the first 15 and a lot of games, we were like, where is this going? This looks like a big jumbled mess. But you talk about these guys that are just, they're so planned out for the entire game. Like you look at Shanahan and all these guys, Andy Reid, like there's never a situation where you're like, man, they look flustered. They look razzled. And I think a lot of it is because they're just like, whatever, this is my offense. And if you don't like it, deal with it. Like it's going to score points. Like, Andy Reid, not as much like Shanahan at times when he runs the ball like methodically. People are like, oh, my God. But it's like, dude, we're winning. What do you care? We're in the second round of the playoffs. We won. Yeah, I think 
it, it was it was so obvious that Kubiak wasn't comfortable after those first fifteen plays that he just didn't. You know, you look at I've even seen some just some like stat reports on the first fifteen plays, and the Vikings were like one of the better offenses yeah. first fifteen plays, right? And uh, like finding someone that's just comfortable with all right, the scripted plays are over. I know what our offense is now. I know what they're trying to do, and now I'm comfortable just in this sort of improvisational. But that's match. what it's for. That's what the first fifteen are for. How are they going to play us the rest of the game? These first fifteen plays, because it's supposed to be like a magnitude of different plays. It's supposed to be like a variation of every part of the offense, right? Like we're gonna we're gonna start with a waggle, right? So we kind of get them on the move and we see what they want to do versus a run formation. Then all of a sudden we're gonna spread them out and we're gonna throw it real quick because we want to see what kind of covers they're gonna play us. And and then, but that's when you're taking notes. Like, okay, listen, everything that we've seen on film. Let's be honest, guys. There are not a lot of teams that just come out and throw something completely different at you. Like, you know what they're going to do. So from there, I think the more the thing was when they got into bad situations, I don't think he knew how to get them out. Like, instead of it being second and seven, it might have been second and ten plus. I think that's when he got into himself into a real danger zone of, like, what do I? how do I get out of this? What am I doing? All of a sudden, Kirk's under pressure. Instead of being like, hey, man, we're a run-first team. Deal with it. And you could always have – he could have – easily have leaned on Mike like Mike likes it when we run what do you want me to say we're a run team Mike likes it when we run we run the ball and if we can't get anything going we need to go back to our roots we run the ball we try to get play action off of it and then of course uh, the Vikings even as a as a team that likes to run the ball led the NFL in no gains or 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 lost yardage runs last year because they're off how do you know all these stats how do you know all these I just made that one up actually here's another one no, 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 that one's actually factual. Here's Is another really? one. Judd's down over 30 pounds. There's another stat for you. Buddy. And that's a true stat, thanks to my friends at Livia Weight Control Centers. That's right, down 30-plus pounds, feeling great. Now, I want you to join me on the weight loss lifestyle with the I Did It 8-Week Challenge. That's right, get your first eight weeks for free. In the first eight weeks, I lost 26 pounds. Imagining, Booney, imagine somebody dropping 26 pounds for free. That's a great, great offer. Schedule your in-person. How can we get someone to drop $26 million for free? Um, that's going to be tough. That's going to be <laughs> tough. Or chat with my friends uh, via Zoom. Limited time offer and soon call today, 855-GO-LIVIA. That's 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A, livia.com, L-I-V-E-A.com. Check it out today. Booney, I got one thing, though, and, and you're going in this direction, and I think it's the thing that excites me about the sport the most, and I feel like we're tip of the iceberg. Hit me. Positionless offense. Positionless football. Yeah, give uh, it to me. Give it to me. Debo Samuel, like, like, opened it. He opened Kyle's it. incredibly smart, and that's yep. awesome. But I don't look at him and think, well, that's one guy, and you can't, do, you, you know, nobody else can do this. I look at that and I say, hell yeah, bring it on. Um, um, and I'm not saying constantly. I'm not yeah. saying like get crazy all the time. But I am saying I love what you said, which is if Justin Jefferson lines up in the backfield, the defense now has to make a decision. And it could be fatal. Fatal. It could be fatal because K.J. Osborne is now split out wide, and they're not prepared for that. The point being is the I, I love the idea of the Vikings playing a game that looks like the game should look today offensively, which I don't think that we've gotten a taste of for – quite a few years probably I don't think you and I worry that they won't too because I think this is another thing that head coaches are so afraid of their jobs and we all know this but it takes a lot of risk to be like listen and 
I'm not saying it's a lot of risk. I'm saying it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to do the research and it's a lot of work to have faith in it. And it's a lot of work to practice it and to have guys actually believe in it because I joke a lot and I'm like, you know, an offense sometimes can look like a Jackson Pollock. It's just a mess, but it works. And it's, it's not that easy. It's getting guys to buy into it. It's like, if I'm Justin Jefferson and I'm, I'm going to say this, Debo Samuel is a once in a lifetime generational guy because you can't have receivers that truck middle linebackers. It does not happen. Percy Harvin's like the last one. Right. That's why I'm saying they're not coming out a lot. And you look at a guy like Justin Jefferson and to convince him to go into the backfield and to play a more physical game, you would have to be very smart about that. Like, hey, listen, sure. we'd love to use you on a couple end of rounds. We'd love to pitch you the ball once or twice just to get you ahead of steam going to see how fast you can really get those wheels churning. But at the same time, in the back of his mind is what? Well, some middle linebacker is going to devour me. Or how can you promise me that the tackle is not going to let the defensive end smoke me off the edge? You know what I'm saying? Like, these are all the things in the back of their mind. And at the same time, you have to think, what happens if he's not ready to play running back a couple times? You know what I'm saying? Like, but this is like hypothetically. When you look at these guys, the way that they're not afraid to throw things out there and you're kind of like, what is that? I don't even think this is going to make sense. And it works and you're like, He's got some serious balls to actually run that in a game. Like how many people were watching that game? And he's got his quarterback doing a full 360, <laughs> pitching it with his left hand, eyes closed. Like these are the things, but it's like football. It's just the way that they are. And I think that they have this mentality of like, I know what I'm doing and I know how it's supposed to look. And at times it might look a little jumbled, but it will all get pieced together at the end. And it's cool because sometimes they'll take the game plan and they pull it apart piece by piece. And they're like, we're going to throw little sections at them. And then in the end, we're going to throw it all together. And you're like, wow, this is going to be fun. We have, uh, we have some more developing Vikings coaching news here, by the way. So Jalen Ramsey has chimed in on Raheem Morris on Twitter. So so news is out now that Raheem Morris is going to interview with the Vikings. And Jalen Ramsey said, Raheem is the best coach I've ever had, and I've had some great ones, all caps. He's taught me so much more this year alone that's helped improve my game. If no other team wants to give him the head coaching position he deserves, all caps, I will personally gladly have him back as our defensive coordinator. Interesting, very high praise from Jaylen one of the Harris. best mm-hmm. yeah and I think that's something to be noted is that when you have a relationship with these guys they'll go out of their way to Twitter and to be like hey man because I'm telling you and you we joke a lot about Rudy and like his message through the media and his 4,000 word document or whatever but guys won't go out of their way for somebody that they don't like I'm sorry like why should I pick my phone up and put myself out on Twitter for you like what are you going to you haven't really done anything for me. And it's not that it's yeah. like personal. It's just it's business. Yeah. Uh, on the flip side, so so Raheem Morris is looking to get a job. Declan wants someone to lose a job every week. I think I already know. Here we go. I don't go. know. It's You're time all... for Declan wants someone's oh, no. I, ass fired. I could see a shakeup here. <laughs> I think I know who it is. So we talked a lot about Mike McCarthy. Uh, but actually, I'm not. I'm not firing him because his his own. He writes his own checks here. He's he's oh, yeah. he's he's sealed his own fate. I don't need a hot take to fo- to prove that Mike McCarthy uh, should be fired by any means. Uh, but you know, I watched the tape, and I've just now come to this conclusion. Cleef Kingsbury is a phony. He is an oh, absolute wow. big fat phony dude. 
He's this supposed to be this big offensive mind? You thought I was going to fire Kellen Moore? There's no chance no, I'm firing I know. Kellen Moore. No, 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 and I'll get to that in a second, but Cliff Kingsbury, you are a phony dude. You went to Texas Tech and you just passed the ball all the damn time? You think you can come here in the NFL and the same, and the same stuff works? No! It's been like yeah. six years in a row of you falling on your face at college and the professional ranks. Kyler Murray's an uber, ultra-talented, athletic quarterback, and you ruined it. The Cardinals started, what, 7-0, and 8-0? and yeah, And then they lost definitely. five of their last seven and get embarrassed on Wild Card Weekend. They got waxed. So Cliff Kingsbury, you're a phony dude. Goodbye. You are fired. Fire is at, wow. Bring him here. Phony. Wow. Bring him what? here. Lane Kiffin could be his OC. Oh, my God. <laughs> Actually, you know what's funny about the NFL? It would be the other way around. Like, Cliff, yeah, would, right. need, Cliff would need, like, a year to reset. So the Action Network, just to add to Declan's case here, the Action Network sent out Cliff Kingsbury's end-of-the-season runs as a head coach. So three years with the Cardinals. This year they lost five of their last six. Last year they lost five of their last seven. In 2019 they lost seven of their last nine. Like That's pretty bad. Then they dug up the Texas Tech oh, last six seasons. Yeah. 2018, they lost all five of their, their their five straight games to end the season. They lost six of eight, six of eight, four of six, four of six, five of six. So this literally happens to every single Cliff Kingsbury team going back to 2013 in college. He's definitely getting fired, and I thought he should have been fired last year. Remember, they were in the playoffs, and he they lost the other way out. They had two games. They had to win the last two games, and they end up losing to get knocked out. Dude, I'm telling you. This game has too much money behind it, too much potential. You have too many chances, and you don't get it. Like the fact that you started seven and zero, and I know that Kyler got hurt, and D Hop got hurt, and JJ got hurt. Like they dealt with their issues, but so did everybody else in this league. Everybody else dealt with COVID and injuries and all this. I mean, everybody. So to lose those games the way you did, like, there's no excuse for that. You got to go, and I agree with Declan. You got to go. Except now, Declan, why don't you tell our friend what you think? Don't do it. Declan, you're on my good list. I'm not not firing Kellen Moore. I'm not out on him either. I'm not out on him being a potential head coach either, man. You don't find that a big mistake. It was a mistake. It was absolutely a mistake. You you didn't say big mistake. No, I didn't call it a mistake. (laughs) I'm not called a big mistake. No, I'm not. I mean, Booney, I saw this breakdown. I saw this breakdown. What was San Francisco in? Picket fence coverage. What's the best way to stop picket, picket fence, fence coverage? coverage. You move right up the middle, baby. You move right up the middle. Dak scrambled way too long. He didn't handle the, handle the ball to get it snapped appropriately. The execution was wrong. The execution no. was wrong, dude. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be out on the coordinator who had the number one offense in the league, and last year was starting Ben DiNucci at quarterback, dude. They still were able to figure out ways to be creative. No, I'm not out on Kellen Moore. No chance. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stick, no. to, stick to playing guard, Boone. Okay. No, no, listen. I, I'm saying he, he had a great offense, yes. And I love what he did with his offense. He took his college <laughs> offense from Boise State, and he brought it here a little bit. Like, it was yeah. great. Come on, Boone. Pile I on. Thought it was, dude, I broke their offense down because it took me a minute to figure out what they were doing. But once I figured it out, I was like, okay, I'm actually all about this. But what I'm saying is when you have that big of a mistake in that big of a game, what makes me think you're not going to do it again? And not only that, but with my team. Like, dude, that is inexcusable. You were the higher seed. We were playing in our house. We didn't even look ready to play in that game. And that, to me, says so much more than everybody else. Like, you're a young kid. You are young. He's like two years older than me. You're young. To be a head coach in the NFL, 
Wow, dude, I know we joke about how it might be easy at times, but I couldn't imagine all the meetings you get pulled into and the fact that you have to be so calm and you have to be so cool and collected. Now I know why there's such old coaches because they have to be in the ringer. You have to go through the fire so many times before you can figure out what the hell you're really trying to do. You got to be called out by everybody. You have to be willing to be called out by everybody on your team because you are a family. And I feel like that's the biggest problem that coaches have is when somebody of respect and authority comes into a room and says, hey, man, you're really screwing this up. They get so defensive, and then they're quick to throw people under the bus, and you're instantly like, you just showed me your true colors. Dude, you just showed me what you would do in a pressure situation. I was really expecting you to, like, throw a quick out route and then maybe take another home run shot or take two home run shots. Like, it's just bad ball, and you can't lose an NFL game the way that my Pop Warner team did. Like, that's just stupid. I love how Judd wandered onto the playground here and just like started a fight. He's like, he sure did. I love it. Did you hear what uh, Declan said? He was all my smart son. Picket fence coverage. Not with the flower pot front. I'm going flower pot front. Statistically, guys, against quarters, you want to run the draw. It's definitely your best play. But like that defense also looks. Like, like on one hand, you're like, oh, it was the world. Look at that play carved up the defense. But on the other hand, San Francisco's like. Keep running, sure. Yeah. Like <laughs> he's that's running fine. into the middle of the field. Wait a minute, take like, an extra five yards. He started fine. running, and I started doing the math. Like, could he make it out of bounds in time? Yeah, I don't even I know. Because at first, I'm like, he's not no, a runner. He's going, he's going straight. Where are you going, buddy? <laughs> so I heard another. I think it was it was Orlovsky or somebody was doing another. You know, everyone agrees. By the way, everyone who's like ever played and commented agrees. We're that not like, you need more than dude. 14 seconds yes. to run a play, so you can. 17 now, every year we go over it because you got to get the ref to spot it and everything right. else. But he said, in the event that you've got crisis mode and you're like you're looking at the clock, there's five four, and it's like, are we gonna have time to spike it? That uh, and it was Orlovsky. He said, "There's a what's called a nine one one option, where it's literally nine one one. We are running four verts." We, we don't have time to, to take the ball and spike it. That's an extra half second. Snap it and throw the ball one last play basically into the end zone. And Dak had no thought of even doing that. Dak was like, I got to spike it. There's not enough time left. I, I mean, I think that that was just a mess all around. But, that I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's too much of a controversy for you to earn a head coaching position afterwards. Whether you're, like you said, Mike McCarthy, which you don't do anything but game management, and it's been terrible all year, or Kellen Moore. You should know better. I have no timeouts. There's 12 seconds on the clock. I, I clearly cannot run a play with a run play. Like, that's just not physically possible. And not only that, but why would I do that? I need to push the ball downfield right now. Yeah. I don't a know. Nine one, a nine one one call, and you didn't play the football sounder, Mackie. Nine one one for yourself. Nine one one. Nine one one. Was that uh, was that Orlowski's game where he was up there trying to? Was oh, that that's what Orlowski was dialing nine one one, running out of the back of the end zone, Jared Allen say, chasing him. How many times do you oh think he God. was out there screaming nine one one? I love the fact that he did. Uh, that, like uh-huh. he's he's good, Never. but I love the fact. That, that he, he's like an authority on the sport, and he literally ran out of the end zone. Yeah. And he's, and never he's, and he's really he's uh, good on TV, man, but he's like perfect. one of the – it's kind of amazing because he's one of the worst quarterbacks to ever be this high profile on TV. Yeah. yeah. And he's good. But it just it's but think about it. It's kind of like the Kellen Moore thing. I was a backup, but I just knew so much about football that I'm like – I mean, he was like – like think about it. Orlowski's really kind of setting himself up to be a coach. I mean, the way that he breaks things down, you're like, okay, clearly this kid gets the X's and the O's part. But at the same time, like, I feel like the backups, 
the quarterbacks especially, they were so knowledgeable of all because they I mean they they studied so much and they barely got to do it, so they had to know everything inside and out. So I'm not surprised that he's smart, but I think sometimes he is a little too energetic for a guy that ran out of the back of the end zone. Like, dude, <laughs> your resume does not speak too well. He did, if I remember right, for a while, like during the pandemic, he had when he was just like at home, he had the home set up and he had the picture of Jared Allen on his chasing him out of the end zone. Jared's yeah. like, Jared's like, do you see this, bro? What is this guy for real? This is the CFL dude, dude amazing. Get it, bro. So, all right, well, we've got uh, the Vikings have, like, 15 interviews this week. They just interviewed uh, is it Brandon Baker, by the way, from the Eagles front office. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so that's happening today, and then they'll plow through Football. a bunch of other ones. I mean, realistically, when do you – when do you – when would you want them to hire someone? GM or coach? Both. You should hire them together. There shouldn't – because I feel like that's going to create too much animosity. I don't disagree, but I think that, that they're going to – Probably name the GM next week and the coach after that, and I don't think do it's it going to be a. Well, you should never let the head coach think he's above the GM. I feel like that's a very dangerous thing to yeah. do because the GM is like the middleman. You know what I'm saying? I'm the middleman between the owner and the head coach. I'm the guy that helps with the personnel. You do all the football ops. I do everything else. Like, I just think that if you do do it separately, you should always hire your GM just because that way it lets the coach know like, hey, he's with us first. Like he's going to be my guy. He's going to be in my ear. And at the same time, you're going to have to find somebody that gets along because I feel like these riffs are starting a lot more than usual. The thing we don't know yet and and the teams ordinarily try and um, keep this quiet is we don't know if the GM or coach is going to have final say on the roster. In my opinion, it's the GM. But Childress had that. So, so like until we know that that becomes a huge problem potentially between them, and and if the coach has the final say, Booney on the roster, as you know, that can be a problem between players and coaches. Well, like a, know, guy, a guy I like know. Doug Peterson is probably going to be shell shocked from the way things ended in Philly with his falling out with the front office. A guy like Doug Peterson might say, "Listen, I'd love to come in here and coach. I also need final say over the roster yeah. based on what happened at the end of Philly." Yeah, right. I think that. Dude, it's crazy how this has become such a bone of contention. Like, who's going to have final say over the roster? And it's, I mean, I guess I find it most baffling that, like, the owner isn't, the owners in this league aren't involved enough to want final say in the roster. Like, you know, Jerry down in the Cowboys is like, I got final say over my own roster. This is my team, my roster. Like, I'm just waiting for another owner to step up and be like, nope. I have final say. I want to be involved in everything. I want you to tell me everything. I'm going to sit in every meeting. Like, wouldn't that be something? Another Jerry Jones? I want to see Ziggy Wilf. That's I want I want that Ziggy. to be the heel turn this week. Ziggy <laughs> Wilf comes down. He said, I'm speaking Dude. for the first time in 10 years publicly, and I am the general manager owner. No, 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 no. You don't have to be the general manager. <laughs> I need a general manager. I want to be the owner. I own this team. I have final say in everything. I mean, ultimately, so- the ownership does have final say, right? Like... Like if the Vikings are going to trade Kirk Cousins, you you, you should probably run that by Brad Childress. Yeah, but I don't think released Moss stop. without telling the Wills. Yeah, I'm telling. So there's, things there's, can go sideways. Yeah, very quickly, <laughs> dude. You know, you know what's really like crazy to me, and the more I think about this, the Miami situation, like the Brian Flores, yep. the fact that he got fired, and the fact that now they're coming out, and this is why I say it's so crazy that these teams are coming out now. Like, real quick, because I know we got to go. But Stefan Ross was basically, I was listening to his interview, and he, they were like, what are your plans for quarterback? And he was like, I don't have any plans. And I was like, wow, that's very interesting to me. He was like, I just fired my head coach, though, and I have no plans for my quarterback. And it's kind of like, where are you going? And then all of a sudden these reports came out that 
the Flores and the GM wanted to go in different directions in terms of quarterback. And all of a sudden word was getting back to Stefan that things weren't going so hot. And all of a sudden it made me think like how many times was something ruined on a team by non like people, non-players and non-coaches, because maybe something was being said that wasn't really true because they wanted to push their narrative. So that's why I always go back to maybe if the owners were more involved in like, Hey, listen, I got to say in this too, yeah, I know a little bit of football. I own the team. Clearly I know football. This kid looks great. Tell me about him. Talk to me, you know, tell me about this philosophy. Like I just, I guess I'm just so baffled that they're just, they're not more hands-on and more like, I would want to be like, dude, tell me everything. Let's, 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 I'm going to grade you out today. You graded the players. I'm going to grade you out today. Let's see. (laughs) Oh, look, the camera panned to you. You were doing nothing. Minus. Hmm. Yeah, you looked, uh, you were sweating and nervous. Uh, oh, look, uh, you're putting a dip in. Here we go. Minus, yeah. not coaching. <laughs> have you, uh, real quick, Dex, do we have that Mike McDaniel, even if we flip over to, to the Mackie and Judd brand here? Um, I think we have it on here. The uh, Mike McDaniel? The what? What? The 49ers offensive coordinator. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If we still have that clip, the Dolphins, you bring up the Dolphins. They're interviewing this guy today. Yeah. Where they put in a request for their head coaching job. Um, if we still have that clip, I would love to play it for Boone. He is like the most entertaining coordinator press conference on Thursdays. It's like they let a Madden nerd take a highly paid NFL coordinator job and run with it with the Niners. Dude, I don't know. When I was in Seattle, Pete Carroll's son, Brendan, was our run game coordinator. Dude. I'm telling you right now, I have never been so excited to go into an offensive (laughs) meeting in my, I mean, this guy would come out on a golf cart wearing like a wig and just pyrotechnics going off. I mean, it was like the most insane he would wear. I mean, like this guy was all about being crazy. And I was like, man, this is, but dude, it works because guys respond so well. It makes you want to be there. You know what I'm saying? It's not the same old stuffy. Oh, here we go. Let's break down the offense. Here's our pro. Yeah, and that's kind of the that's kind of the word on Nathaniel Hackett too. That he's like, not not only is he like you know replace the defensive players with sitcom heads guy in meetings, but he'll also like apparently he's a like a break dancer too, and so he just does like weird things to make the monotonous flow of meetings more entertaining. Whatever it takes. People are probably like these guys actually don't want to walk into a meeting. Yeah, there's a lot of meetings where you're like, oh boy, this could be. <laughs> It's going to be long-winded. Here we go. Note-taking time. Dude, Harbaugh used to be like, just pull the hair out of your legs. It'll keep you up. Like, oh, wait, what? God. He'd be like, yeah, and he pulled his, he pulled his pants up. He pulled his leg out. He's like, keeps me up every time. Oh, That's it. They're like, what? He just got like patches of leg hair just Dude, gone. The best was <laughs> I thought he was messing blood. with me, but he would do it all the time randomly. Like you would just see him pull a bunch of hair out, and I'd be like, he really does this. <laughs> Oh, it was great. Some of the coaches would come in and open up a can of dip and like smell it for like a minute. I was like, yeah, there are a lot. And when you can break that up and make it fun, it really it's amazing how it, you respond and you learn. You pick up so much more and like things hit your brain faster. You're like, man, this is great. Football's weird, man. I mean, football it's, is it's for stupid people, but a lot of people can't get it. I know it's insane, right? Like people don't understand it, but you're like, it's really. But easy. you're, but you're, but you're in a, you're a genius within that realm. Like you've memorized a 500, you know, page playbook with ver. It's like a different language that yeah. you guys speak. You know, and what's crazy too is how they can relate so many things to so many relatable things. Like every code word has a meaning, and it's amazing how fast it hits your brain, and you're like, well, that makes total sense, sure. And it's like 
all the signs match the meanings and you're like, man, I don't know how they could, like everything is just insane. Yeah. We need to, it's a good word for the players. Insane. Yeah, yeah, no question. <laughs> yep. All right. All right. We got to play this clip here before we want to hear it. Yeah. Come on. Right, this is, is the next, uh, this might be the next coach of the dolphins here. Doubt right. it. Okay. Excited to be here. Uh, equally excited for you guys to truly take in how physically imposing I am. So whenever you guys are ready to start, let's do it. Guys again. What do we got? You guys got anything going on? Just hanging out in an auditorium? All right. Just going to drag it out of me, huh? God. Make me do all the work. What do you guys got for me? I'm sorry. I apologize. (laughs) All right. See you guys. So how are we doing? What do we got? That's a cool question because that's... um, that's kind of how pass, your pass game you want it to be. There's a rhythm and timing to everything. I have a history of smaller offensive linemen, um, but that's uh, really we haven't invested second-round draft picks into offensive linemen. We'd prefer everyone to be 400 pounds and 6'10", if, if, you, could, if you could engineer that. All right, guys. That's all? That was fun. See you guys. I mean, yeah. come on. Let's get, I love him. I let's love get him. this guy. Let's get He's this guy. He's such a Shanahan guy, isn't he? <laughs> Listen, I, I don't really want to be here. Let's get this going. Here we go. All right, we got to go. Do we we got to go. That's uh, that's Alex Boone. Every Tuesday here on Purple Daily, Vikings looking for a GM, looking for a coach. Judd still rocking the Zimmer bobble. I got yeah. I still got my Zimmer Judd rocking the Surly too. Tell us about your favorite beer here. Oh, that's right. Before be we go here, playoff weekend. Mm, well, let's see. What's your, mm. What my favorite beer? What, while there are tons of choices being made, GM, coach, who are you going to pick? There's only one choice when it comes to beer, Alex Boone, and that is Surly Surly Brewing, and especially the Surly Furious IPA. It's the best beer around. If you didn't enjoy it with Super Wild Card Weekend, then I trust Divisional Playoff Round Weekend. You'll mix in a Surly or two or three or more. Enjoy it responsibly, of course, Surly Furious. All right. That's Purple Daily. Daily Vikings Entertainment. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.